Amen. I know what some of you are thinking was David a Baptist. <laughs> if you have your Bibles tonight, would you open them please to the book of Proverbs? Tonight we're beginning a sermon series where we're going to be looking at selected Proverbs, passages in Proverbs. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And I pray as we learn from the book of Proverbs, we might become a people in a church of wisdom. Tonight is kind of an introductory message to it. God Speaks on Wisdom is the title. In Proverbs chapter 1, I'd like us to read together the first two verses. Keep your Bibles open. We'll be jumping around a little bit. In Proverbs chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. Suppose the Lord came to you tonight, tapped you on the shoulder, whispered in your ear that he would give you anything you wanted. One thing, anything. What would your request be? The Lord visits you tonight and says, I want to give you anything you want. What would you ask for? Would you ask to be famous? Lord, make me famous. I want to be a celebrity. Would you say, Lord, I'd like to be rich, wealthy. I'd like to have a lot of monetary, material things. Lord, I'd like to have abilities. I'd like to have the abilities to be a sports star. I'd like to have the abilities to be a race driver. I'd like to have the abilities to be a nurse or a doctor. Lord, give me abilities. Lord, I'd like to have power. I'd like to be in charge of something, Lord. Maybe my own corporation. Maybe a, an army. Maybe even the President of the United States. Lord, I'd like to have pleasure. Wine, women, and song, Lord. That's what I would like from you. Lord, I'd like to have relationships. I'd like to have lots of friends. I'd like to have a lot of boyfriends and girlfriends. I'd like to have relationships. What would you ask for? Well, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 7, God came to a man. And he asked a man that very question in the Bible. The man was Solomon. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10, this was Solomon's answer. Solomon, what can I give you? And Solomon says in verse 10 of chapter 1 of 2 Chronicles, Lord, give me wisdom and knowledge. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may go out 
and come in before your people. For who can lead such a great people of yours without such wisdom and understanding? Solomon's choice was right. Solomon's reason for making that choice was right. He asked for wisdom. And if he needed wisdom in his day to do what God called him to do, do we not need wisdom in our day to do what God has called us to do? What is wisdom? I think there's a lot of definitions, but the one that I like best is it's the ability to understand life from God's perspective. It's the ability to understand the journey of life, not from the horizontal, but from the vertical. Not from what men say, but from what God has said. Tonight we're going to be looking at the subject of wisdom. Our point is a non-Baptist message. Just like Reagan saying that David can dance, well, I'm going to bring you a message that only has one point. How's that? Usually it's three points in a poem for a Baptist preacher. Well, I'm not giving you a poem, and I'm not giving you a point three or point two. Now, I know some of you are saying, well, you've already taken the offering. I want some of my money back. Too late. Sorry, Charlie. The one point is wisdom's value. And then we're going to talk a little bit about that. In Proverbs chapter 8, verse 11, Solomon, who also wrote Proverbs chapter 1, but in chapter 8, he continues to talk about wisdom, and he makes a statement about the value of wisdom. He says, For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. Wow. Of all the things that you could treasure, of all the valuables that you could claim, of all the wealth that you might possess, wisdom is greater than it all. Wisdom. And wisdom, as we're going to see tonight, we see God in His Trinity. Now, I'm going to deviate just a little bit to talk to you about the Trinity, and then I'm going to bring it back to Proverbs. But I think it's important we talk about the Trinity because all the cults deny the Trinity. Most false religions deny the Trinity. We, have an, we even have some today who call themselves Christians who put a question mark on the Trinity. But what we're going to see tonight is God's wisdom is manifested through the Trinity. Now, what is the Trinity? Theologically, it's God in three persons. One God manifesting himself in three persons. One God in three persons. Not one God changing the way he presents himself, but one God in three persons, distinct persons. Those persons are God the Father, 
God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. One God the Father, two God the Son, three God the Spirit. One plus one plus one equals one. That's Bible math, not man's math. When we speak of the triune Godhead, we are simply saying God is one and one is God. And there's only one God, but he is three persons as he presents himself to us. There is God the Father who I mentioned to you. He is the one who planned our salvation. Before the foundations of the world, God the Father had already made plans to save you and I. Because he knew when he created the human race, the human race would fall. And the human race would need a redeemer. And so God the Father planned our salvation. And we're to give all glory to the Father. All glory to the Father. And then there's God the Son. He has a name, Christ Jesus. And he purchased our salvation. Where did he purchase it at? At the cross of Calvary. Your salvation is free, but it wasn't free to God. But God so loved the world that he gave the redemptive price, his only beloved begotten son. And all worship goes to Jesus Christ. All glory goes to the Father. He planned our salvation. All worship goes to the Son who purchased our salvation. And then there's God the Spirit. He is the one who prompts us, compels us, convicts us, motivates us to receive the salvation that Jesus purchased and the Father planned for us. We don't come to God, we don't come to the Lord, we don't receive salvation anytime we feel like it. There is a moving of the Spirit of God upon us that draws us to that. And it's also the Spirit of God that gives us the motivation and the might once we're saved to do the pleasure and the will of God. Everything we do that should be through the energy and the empowerment of the Spirit. So those are the three persons that make up the triune Godhead. The Father, the Son, the Spirit. The Father planned our salvation. He gets glory. The Son purchased our salvation. He gets worship. And the Spirit prompts us to do those things that the Father would have us to do. Through the Son... So wherefore, we live the Christian life in his energy and his empowerment. Now, I will admit to you, this theology of the Trinity is hard to understand. It really is. But you know, electricity is hard to understand too. How many of you are going to go home and sit in the dark tonight because you can't figure it out? That's what I thought. I was thinking one time. <laughs> a deep thought. <laughs> How can a brown cow eat green grass under the blue sky and give white milk, yellow butter, and red meat? I got to thinking about that. 
But I didn't let it bother me. I went inside and got a glass of milk, and we went out to a steakhouse that night and had a filet mignon. You see, you don't have to understand it to believe it. You don't have to figure it out to accept it. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. If we could understand God, he wouldn't be God. Our God is one, but he's three. Our God is three, but he is one. Now, some argue the fact that the Trinity... The word Trinity is not found in the Bible. And you know something? It's not. But that's a false argument. That's a straw argument. Because there's many other theological things that are not necessarily by name said in the Bible, but nevertheless they're a concept in a theology scripturally taught. How many of you believe in the rapture tonight? Raise your hand. How many of you believe one day some of us are going to go up with the upper taker, not the undertaker? We're going to heaven by glory, not by grave. Okay, most of you believe in that. Do you know the rapture is not found in the Bible? Yeah, it's not. Rapture is not found in the Bible. But the concept of it is, the theology of it is, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verse 16 and 17, the words of the Apostle Paul speaking to a generation that might well be us. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall be resurrected first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. That word phrase, caught up, comes from a Greek word that basically means raptured. That's what the word raptured means. It means to be caught up. Caught up that we might be together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus shall always be with the Lord. Do you know the word trinity is not used in the Bible, but the concept is taught? Go back to Jesus' baptism. John the Baptist is baptizing in the Jordan River, and behold comes Jesus, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And John comes, Jesus comes to John. And it says in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, listen to this. When Jesus had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, And he saw the Spirit of God. Jesus is the Son of God. He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven. And this voice said, this is my beloved Son. The Father is speaking to the Son as the Spirit is resting upon him. And he says, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. God the Father speaks. God the Son is being baptized to begin his ministry. And God the Holy Spirit is upon him, anointing him for that ministry. In the Great Commission, what does it say in Matthew 28, verse 9? Go you therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of, help me out, the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
all three equal because all three are God. Once again, a picture of the Trinity, though the word is not used. In Acts chapter 10, verse 36, the Apostle Paul is speaking. And listen to what he says in part of his message. Acts 10, 36, he says, God has anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. God the Father has anointed Jesus the Son of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know I've detoured off the path a little bit because I told you tonight we're talking on wisdom. But we're going to look at wisdom from, this, from the, the, the position of the Trinity. And you've got to understand the Trinity, I believe, to understand what I'm going to talk about. So I hope you have a better concept of this. Many of you wonder sometimes, well, what's wrong with the Mormons, what's wrong with the Jehovah Witnesses? What's wrong with this group or that group? They all believe in Jesus. They do believe in Jesus, but not the Jesus of the Bible. They deny his deity because they deny the Trinity. Just because somebody uses our words doesn't mean they have the same definition to them. You have to be careful with these groups. They're clever and they're demonized. You need to know what you believe and why you believe it that you can stand against them. If you try to understand the Trinity, you'll go crazy. But listen to me, if you deny the Trinity, you'll go to hell. So the Trinity is very important. The concept of a triune God. Now how does this triune God fit into wisdom? That's what we're talking about. Remember what wisdom is? Living life from God's viewpoint. Well, let's look at the Trinity and wisdom. First of all, I want you to see that wisdom is the purpose of God the Father. Wisdom is the purpose of God the Father. Now, if you have your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. This is King Solomon writing to his children, but it's also another king writing to his children. And may I add, this king that I mentioned, secondly, is the king of kings. So there's a dual audience taking place here. My son, Proverbs 2, verse 1, My son, if thou will receive my words and hide my commandments with yourself, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. Notice he says, my son. Solomon is speaking to his sons and his daughters, his children. But also another king, the king of kings and the lord of lords is speaking to his sons and daughters as well. And both of them are saying the same thing. You need to have wisdom. Solomon says to his children, you need to have wisdom. My son, listen to what I'm going to tell you. It will give you wisdom. And another king says to his sons and daughters, 
Listen to what I'm telling you. I want to share with you wisdom. As you go down the road of life, I want you to have more than common sense. I want you to have more than horse sense. I want you to have more than knowledge. I want you to have more than education. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but I want you more than anything else to have wisdom. That's the ability to take the horse sense, the common sense, the education, the knowledge, and use it for upward causes, not just outward causes. For causes that are heavenly, not just causes that are earthly. God's purpose is that you and I, his children, would have what? Wisdom. Just like he gave Solomon wisdom, we can have wisdom. All wisdom comes from above, and it comes to us from above, downward to us. Now the question might be, how do we get this wisdom that God the Father purposes us for to have? You parents are proud when your children listen to you, amen? And God is a parent, and he's proud of us when we listen to him. And God says, I have some wisdom to give to you. If you will listen to me, it will make life a whole lot easier for you. A lot more blessing to you. Now, how do we get this wisdom that God purposes us to have? Well, first of all, you get it through the Scriptures. You get the wisdom of God from the Word of God, and the Bible is the Word of God. The Bible does not contain the Word of God. It is the Word of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it's the inspired, infallible, inerrant Word of God. It applies to all men of all generations. The Bible will never go away. Heaven and earth might pass away, but the Word of God is forever. And the truths that the Word of God teaches are likewise forever. Notice it says in Proverbs 2, verse 1 again, My son, if thou wilt receive my words. Now the implication is the words are words of wisdom. That word receive means welcome. If you want to have wisdom, you have to welcome the Word of God into your life. Jim Reeves, a country singer many years ago, had a song called, Welcome to My World. Well, may we change the words of that song a little bit and say, Welcome to the Word. Welcome to the Word. That's what the Father wants us to do. His purpose is for us to have wisdom. How do we get it? We get it when we welcome the Word of God into our life. Many years ago, there was a commercial when E.F. Hutton speaks, people what? When God the Father speaks, we would be well to what? Listen. And he speaks through his word. So how do we get this wisdom that the Father purposes to give us? We get it through the scriptures. Secondly, we get it through prayer. Look at verse 3, chapter 2. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge... And liftest up thy voice for understanding. That phrase, liftest up thy voice, means prayer. 
prayer. Remember, God gives us what we ask for, particularly in regard to wisdom. If you're sitting here tonight in the dark and you want to come to the light, if you're sitting here tonight with questions you want answers to, if you're sitting here tonight and you've got problems and you want solutions, where do you need to go? My psychiatrist. No, that's the wrong answer. Go to the Lord. Lift up your voice to Him and ask Him to give you wisdom that you might find what you're looking for in the journey of life. So God the Father purposes us to have wisdom. Where do we get it? We get it from the Scriptures. We get it from prayer. And we also get it from His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in verse chapter, uh, Proverbs 2, verse 6 through 8. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. He layeth up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a buckler to them that walk uprightly. He keepeth the paths of judgment. He preserves the way of his saints. I wonder who the Lord is that he's speaking of. I wonder if it might be the Son, Jesus Christ. Did not Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life? That pretty much summarizes it all. And so how do we get wisdom that the Father purposed for us? Are you listening? We study the Word of God. We pray and seek it from the Lord. And we invite Jesus Christ into our life. When he comes in, he comes in with many things, and one of them is wisdom. All right, let's move on now to the, another person in the Holy Trinity. God the Father purposes us to have wisdom. God the Spirit, God the Spirit is the product of that wisdom. How do we get the wisdom once we read the scriptures, once we pray, once we invite Jesus into our life, where does it come from? Who begins to develop that in us? Look at chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, the king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, punishment, and equity. Who is the one who teaches us how to get this wisdom, but then how to use it? It's one thing to appropriate it. It's another thing to be able to assimilate it and to act upon it. Which one of the Trinity is involved in the teaching ministry of you and I? The sanctifying work, the discipling work. Well, Jesus said in John 16, beginning with verse 7, He says, I will depart, but when I leave you, I will send you another. And when He has come, He will teach the world, reprove the world, teach the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on Me, of righteousness because I go to My Father and they see Me no more, and of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. When Jesus saves you, the Spirit of the living God comes inside of you and He begins to work in you that you might take the wisdom you're going to learn from the Scriptures 
Take the wisdom that you're going to receive from prayer. Take the wisdom that Jesus himself is going to implant into you. And he's going to teach you how to use it. If you bought a brand new car, a 2018 Mercedes SL convertible, and after church I see you out in the parking lot, and you're pushing that thing through the parking lot. And I say, what in the world are you doing? I'm pushing my new car. Well, why are you pushing your new car? Because I thought that's what you're supposed to do with it. No, you don't. Do you have a key? I do have a key. Have you put the key in the ignition? I didn't know you're supposed to. Stick it in there. Turn it. That car fires up. Why are you pushing the car when the car could be driving you? Now I'm being facetious. But many of us have the Spirit of God in us, and we're pushing the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God wants to drive us, drive us to wisdom. Wisdom is not common sense, it's uncommon sense. Wisdom is not natural, it's supernatural. Wisdom doesn't come from book learning. It comes from those who seek it from God himself. And God's Spirit, the product of God's Spirit working in us is wisdom. God the Father's purpose is for us to have wisdom. God the Spirit's product, the evidence that he's working in our life and he's teaching us things, is how we display and use that wisdom. Heard the story about a young man who worked with his father in the mining business. And they mined gold and silver. And his father was right good at it. But his father was up in age. And the young man, who's now turned 20 years old, says, Dad... I would like to take over the business. And the dad says, son, I don't believe you're ready. If you would like, I would like to give you an apprentice. I'd like you to become a partner with me, but I'd like you to learn the mining business from the ground up. I'd like you to go work in the mines. Then I'd like to make you a mining supervisor. Then I'd like to make you a mining CEO. I'd like you to learn the company from the ground up, and I'll teach you everything I've learned. And the son said, Dad, I don't want to work under you. I don't want to start from the bottom up. Dad, I'm going to one of the Ivy League schools. I'm going to Harvard. I'm going to Yale. I'm going east, Dad, and I'm going to get me a degree in engineering. And when I come back, I'll know more about mining than you've ever learned in all your years doing it. And the young man went to school, was gone four years, come back with that degree in his hand. And he said, Dad, you can step down now. I'm taking over the company. Now the dad was shocked at his son's Words, he was shocked at his son's attitude, he was shocked at his son's actions, but the dad said, okay, it's yours, see what you can do. Well, things started out well, but quickly they deteriorated. 
and an issue developed in one of the mines. One of the shafts of the most productive of the mines was getting water seepage through. And the water seepage was increasing every week. And the shaft was beginning to fill up with water. And nothing they could do could stop the water from going into the shaft. And if something wasn't done, the whole shaft is going to collapse, fill with water, and the gold and silver veins that are there will be untappable. The young man tries and tries and tries, he, using all the techniques he learned with his engineering degree. Finally, in desperation, he calls his father. And he says, Dad, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do with this hole that's bringing in water and filling up the shaft? What am I supposed to do, Dad? And his dad said, Son, shove that diploma into the hole and see if it works. We're like that young man. Without the Spirit of God giving us wisdom, we have knowledge, but knowledge is ineffective. And then lastly, the Trinity, God the Father says, I purpose to give you wisdom. That's my desire, to give you wisdom. The Spirit of God says, my, the evidence that I'm working in your life is that you have that wisdom and you're utilizing it. That's the product, that's the proof, if you will, that I'm doing something in you. And then lastly, the last member of the Trinity is who? God the Father, God the Spirit, now who? God the Son. Look at verse 2 of chapter 1, to know wisdom. Pay attention to that word, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. That word know is a Hebrew word that means relationship with another person. How can you have a relationship with wisdom? You can't unless wisdom is a personification of Jesus Christ himself. Do you know that Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God? Did you know that? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. Listen. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Without Jesus Christ, there is no wisdom because he is wisdom personified. When you have the presence of an indwelling Christ, and the Spirit of God in you, you will have wisdom and you'll know how to use the wisdom and you will fulfill the purpose of the Father which is in your life. Have you ever wondered why unsaved scholars with PhDs can't understand the Bible? I mean, it's too deep for them. It's over their head. Now, these are men that have been in school all their life. They got an associate degree. They got a, a bachelor's degree. They got a master's degree. They got a doctorate degree. 
They got a Ph.D., phony head dummy degree. But they don't know Jesus. They have knowledge. But when it comes to the Bible, they're a bunch of ignoramuses. You know why? Because they can't understand the book of wisdom because they have no wisdom. But then you take a little six-year-old girl who gave her life to Jesus Christ in Sandra Greenman's class. Because Sandra teaches those boys and girls about Jesus, as all of our teachers do. And that little girl, she don't know a whole lot, but she has the ability to open the Bible and to understand the Bible and understand it in a way that all those scholars can't. You know why? Because she has the wisdom of God in her. And what's over their head only goes up to her waist. She's in the shallow waters of God's Word because she has the wisdom of God. The Father's purpose is where to have wisdom. The Spirit's product is that we know how to use that wisdom. And the Son's presence is He brings us that wisdom when He comes into our life. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Once again, I remind you that if you have a question that you need an answer to, a problem that you need a solution to, an issue that you need understanding to work out. Help is available to you. That help is in you already in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He's the personification of wisdom. The Spirit of God that is in you will give you that wisdom and help you understand how to apply that wisdom if you will but seek it. You've got to seek it. You know, pride is a terrible thing because it makes big fools out of little men. And some of us, we get a little too prideful sometimes in our Christian walk. And we think that we can do things without the Lord. The truth of the matter is, those of us who are older understand we can't do nothing without the Lord. That the song, Learning to Lean, becomes our song because it's so true. And Maybe tonight, before we close our service, you have something going on in your life right now. I know we've already had a prayer time, but maybe right now, this prayer time ought to end with you praying once again and saying, Lord, I invite you to bring your wisdom into me and out of me that I might have the ability to see this question, to see this problem, to see this issue as you see it, and to act upon it as you would have me to do. That my life might become a little bit easier. Christian life is rather simple. We tend to make it too complex. Bring God into the equation. And things will always work out well. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. 
Thank you for Solomon's words to his children. Thank you for your words to your children. May we apply those words. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you and good night.